sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. heaven. Thank God for a time like this, that we are in his presence. It's a special time. I believe that it's a hallowed and sacred time. The Lord will speak to us. Pray that the Lord will speak to you personally. Pray that the Lord will open your heart, because the Bible says the Lord opened the heart of Lydia, and she received the word. Pray that the Holy Spirit will be present in a very powerful way. Father, what a privilege it is to be in your presence. Pray that this will be a hallowed time, a divine time, a fruitful time spent in your presence. Forgive us for all our mistakes. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Cleanse us by your blood, O God, and have access into our hearts and into our spirit man. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, this evening. Let us meet with you, Jesus, tonight. Holy Spirit, take over, take control. And use me in any way that you would. If you can use anything, use this vessel, Lord. Anoint this vessel. Holy Spirit, help me. In your, my weakness, I'm made strong. Your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Help us to be strong in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. I'm also happy to be here against all odds. It is the grace of God and purely the grace of God that has brought us here tonight. And I'm trusting God for the days ahead. It has always been total reliance on God for every daughter you can make a convention. And the Lord reminded me about that. And even about the fact that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Because I think that I have had a marathon from one thing to the other to the other. Kodesh daughter after that, this and that. So sometimes the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. But thank God for his unction and for his grace. Amen. And you all look so lovely tonight and there's live streaming going on so I want you to say hello to those of them watch those watching us hello God bless you we are excited to be here and we pray that the Lord will minister to you too amen 
Well, the way you look lovely, I wonder that's how you look in your bedrooms. You know? I mean, would you do your hair, keep it in place? Or you put on Captain Haddock? But, you know, sometimes when I'm watching a movie with Bishop, I would see the women in their bedroom looking so tantalized. I said, have you noticed she's wearing lipstick? She's wearing mascara? She's wearing lipstick? And sometimes this is what the men look and say, oh, I wish my wife were like that. But this woman is acting. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I believe that our pajamas this evening are symbolic of how we will be when we become wives and as we are wives. Amen. That we will make the effort to look nice in the bedroom. It's also important. Amen, ladies. I told you the story of the missionary wife who wore cotton 90, very hard cotton. She wore it during her pregnancy, throughout labor, to delivery, and then postnatal. Then her husband said, my wife has this very nasty batik, batik nighty. And it's really some way. So I called her and I asked her, your husband says you have this batik nighty. Oh, Lady Reverend, it's true. So why have you not changed it? Because I've not thought about it. Hmm. May the Lord forgive us our many sins. Amen. Amen. And London is the pilot project for pyjama nights yet to come. Amen. So we are trusting God that come next year we will have longer pyjama nights because it will be a camp, you know. It's a struggle to find a venue. Even in Accra, I told them during the daughter on the Saturday that if you can find a place that can seat all of you, in your thousands. Then tell us so that we'll go there. Because there's no such place. Even now when we have homecoming, the ladies highball, there's no way to meet. There's no way to say that, oh, you're going to this place, it will seat even a thousand for dinner. It's a, it, there's no way. You know, so we are believing God for a facility. Amen. One of these days. Amen. Now, this evening, I just want to speak to you about open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes, Lord. Please come with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm reading from verse 24 so that you will have what we are talking about in context. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. 
By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. Amen. Now the Bible is telling us that Moses, when he came to age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose rather to identify with the reproach of the people of Israel. The Bible says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And he esteemed the riches of Christ greater than the pleasures of sin for a season. But the Bible is telling us why he endured. And the Bible is telling us that he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, many times in our lives, we live by what is visible. And we relate to what we can see. That is why sometimes when you are in a problem, you go under because you are looking at what is visible. If you take Jesus crossing the red, uh, the sea, sorry, not the red one. <laughs> With his disciples, the Bible says there arose a great storm. And he had told the disciples, let's go to the other side. They hadn't said that they wanted to go to the other side. He said, let's go to the other side. But in crossing to the other side, the Bible says there arose a great storm. And as if that was not enough, in the midst of the storm, Jesus was nowhere to be found. And when they looked for him, the Bible says he was under the boat. And Mark says that he was asleep on a pillow. You know, it means that he was in a very comfortable state, in a state of rest. And the disciples said to him, Carest not thou that we perish. And he, the Bible says he awoke and he rebuked the, the sea, he rebuked the winds, and the disciples said, who is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? And Jesus said, where is your faith? He asked them, where is your faith? Now, the disciples were moving with Jesus all right, but they couldn't see who he was. And in the same way, they were seeing the storms, which is natural. They were seeing that a great storm had risen. And the Bible says that when Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea, there, there arose a great calm. So every great storm has a great calm when the master is there. Now, many times we don't see God. But it doesn't mean he's not there. And many times when you are overwhelmed by a storm, you cannot even see. You see all your difficulties, all the impossibilities, and you can't see. But it doesn't mean he's not there. He's there and he's even asleep. And he's asleep because he knows that you will be okay. Amen. He knows that there's a storm all right. He knows it's frightening. He knows the facts are true. He knows the evidence is so overwhelming. But he's asleep because he knows that you won't go under. Amen. But many times, the reason why we get overwhelmed is because we don't see the invisible. And in walking with God, if you don't see the invisible, you will never become 
the Christian that God wants you to be. You will not know him the way that you ought to know him. And you will not enjoy your work with God because everything will be at sense knowledge level. You know, so for Moses to endure, he had to see the invisible. The invisible of his calling, his ministry. Because for him to stand where he was, he was running away as a fugitive for murder. And the Bible says he forsook Egypt, not fearing the king's wrath. Now, how do you leave all that you've ever known is Egypt? And you have never related really to Israelites. Just that your nanny, who happened to be your mother, was an Israelite and probably taught you in the things of God. But when you flee and you don't have anywhere to go to, you see, when you flee, you are going home or you are going to known territory. It's different. But this one, you are fleeing because something, some bad news has come up. But you are not fleeing to a place where anybody knows you. You don't even know where you spend the night. You don't know where your next bread will come from. And the Bible says that the only reason why he endured was because he saw him who is invisible. And many times for me, even when I'm going through a hard time or a trial, I always pray, Lord, your word says that no temptation has overtaken us. That is not common to man. God is faithful. And that with every temptation, he will provide the way of escape. But the way of escape may be there. But whether you will see it is also another issue. So I've learned not to be so ruffled by trials. Once I can see the way of escape, I'll be all right. But usually you can't even see the way of escape. You don't know that this is the, the, the place to go when there's an emergency. You don't know the exit points that don't use the lift, you use the staircase. You don't know that. So in the midst of that thing, how will you see? You need to see the invisible. Because the way of escape has to be something that God opens your eyes spiritually to see. Amen. Amen. So we really need to not walk only by our senses, but pray that we will see the invisible. When God calls you, if you don't see the invisible, you cannot respond. You have to see God himself. So that as you said that God called you, when you have trials and temptations, when you have things that don't seem to work, you will know that God has called you. If Moses had not seen the invisible, when he got to the well and met his father-in-law's daughters at the well, how is that related to the destiny that God has given me? And then, as he's there, he's just looking after sheep. And then the Lord says he has called you to be a judge and a deliverer of his people. But how would that happen? How will you endure in the wilderness where what God has said concerning you and your reality don't make sense? You will have to see the invisible. Amen. Amen. So as he sees little sheep, he's in the wilderness. How can he believe and keep on keeping on that whatever God has said concerning him will come to pass? That as a prince from, from the palace to the wilderness, from ruling over people to ruling over sheep, whom you cannot even communicate with, you surely have to see the invisible before it can make sense to you. 
And it was in the midst of doing this. You know, he was in the desert for 40 years, the Bible says. Just tending sheep, doing the ordinary and boring things every day. You take sheep out. You, if it's your calling, it's fine. But if that is not what God called you to do, and you even caught glimpses of your calling such that you even went to fight an Egyptian because you knew or you had a hunch of what God wanted to use you for. And yet you get to the wilderness where there's no life, there's no hope, there doesn't seem to be any future. How can you endure? You must see the invisible. You must see an invisible God. You must see his invisible hand. You must even see his invisible heart. I say to people, when you can't see his hand, see his heart, that, that he has good plans for you. You know, and we are so suspicious as human beings that even God, we suspect him. So he always has to tell us, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster to give you a future. Why should he say not good but bad? Because we think it is bad. We think that he has some agenda he's not revealing. He says to bring you to the expected end. So unless your eyes are open, you see, even in your work with God, even in forgiveness, you need a, a sort of open eyes to see. And when God gives you, when you see that which is not visible, sometimes you see pity. You pity your offender. Because you see that, first of all, sometimes people cannot help it. Secondly, people have issues. And in dealing with their issues, they just become nasty. When they are overwhelmed, they just become nasty. Sometimes in our own homes, your children ask you for something. You know that it's not them, but you just snap at them. It's because you yourself, you are in a bad mood or you are under pressure. You know, and you just snap at them when they haven't done anything. You know, and some of the children, some of my children, they'll just hold their hands and it's like, hey, I'm out of here. You know, and when they do that, later you reflect. You see that it's not the children, but it's your own issues that's making you snap at them. Amen. So we have to see the invisible to even be able to forgive somebody. You know, sometimes God will give you a revelation about the person that rather makes you have a certain heart towards the person more than even condemnation because you see the invisible that this person is just a wretched soul, broken, no control, no direction, and therefore manifestations. So when you see the manifestation, you don't even freak out because you see the invisible. So the invisible is not always good, but the fact that you can even see the invisible if it's bad will let you react in the right way. Amen. Amen. Now come with me to 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. Open my eyes, Lord. At that time... Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam, and get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah, the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves and cracknels, and a cruise of honey, and go to him. He shall tell thee what shall become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so and arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see 
for his eyes were set by reason of his age. And the Lord said unto Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, For it shall be when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so, when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Go, tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. For as much as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee prince over my people Israel, blah, blah, blah. Amen. Amen. Now, sometimes somebody may even be blind physically, like Ahijah the prophet. He cannot see. And then the wife of Jeroboam disguises herself. And the Bible says that she came in with some honey and some cracknel of nuts or whatever. Because that is what poor people brought to inquire of the man of God. That's what poor people brought. So in her disguise, she disguised what she was wearing as well as what she was bringing to give an impression, another impression of who she was. And the Bible says that she disguised herself as another woman, which some of us do when we want to entice certain men. We make ourselves as other women. Now when she came, Ahijah by reason of age, his eyes were set and he couldn't really see. But he saw the invisible. So when the lady knocked, knock, knock, come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. He had already seen who she was. Amen. Amen. And in our walk with God, we need another eye to be able to see. Because nowadays especially, nothing is straightforward. Everything is crooked. Everything is through another way. Everything is not as it seems. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I have counseled people in the church and it's not like it seems. Amen. Amen. And some of them I have felt that these are works in progress. They are not ready to have a beloved now. Do you understand? And then when I look at them, sometimes I tell my staff, I say, this person is a work in progress. She's not ready to be beloved those now, but I know that somebody very spiritual is going to propose to her. Do you know why? Because she looks nice outwardly. I'm a woman, but I can see that she looks nice outwardly. You know, and before I know, it happens. And I saw one person very spiritual. I said, I'm interested in this sister. And I said, really? What do you know about her? He said, oh, I saw her writing the shepherd's exam. And I said, she's writing the shepherd's exam because, you know, she had just become a Christian. And I was trying to help her walk the walk. And then she told me, oh, I'm going to write this exam. I said, ah, you just became a Christian. How can you write so? My pastor says, I should try my hands at it because now we don't really have lay schools and all that. And that will help me in my work with God. But not that she's shepherdoa material. 
But the day she went to write, immediately. And I had already prophesied without meeting this brother that this is what will happen. You know, and just before I came, I met a big official from one of the government agencies. And he was telling me, oh, do you know this sister, this same sister? He is a Christian. I know him from the university. So do you know this sister? I said, oh, yes. So she said she comes to your church. I said, oh, yes, she does. Oh, very sweet sister, very nice. But I tell you, very dangerous. <laughs> very, very, very dangerous. Because she's a young Christian. She needs to be worked on so much. But people just look at what is visible. Her church attendance, she's writing a shepherdial exam, but I know that she's not even ready to handle a husband. You know? And the reason why I know is somehow because I have walked in the invisible by the grace of God. I mean, I just see her and I say, see me. And then I say, so, how is it? How has your work been? What, what are your impediments? Is it not this and that and that? And then it's just so, you know? So I don't think that it's even something, you know, when we, we feel that when we have to have invisible eyes, it means that you must see a cloud, some spirit must move here. But I have found that God shows me such things in a very quiet way. You know, it's not in a very dramatic, that say the Lord, this. Sometimes I meet very nice people. Once somebody was greeting me very nicely. And then I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, but I just thought, this person is a thief. And then I thought to myself, well, how can I think this? Everybody thinks the world about him. How do I think that he's a thief? You know? And then somebody just told me, oh. I gave him this and that and that. And I said, really? So later I asked my husband, he was given this and that and that. Did it reach where it was supposed to reach? Oh, no. So they started to investigate and lo and behold. But you wonder why? Because the person looks so sanctimonious. Good, you know? So even when the thought came to and it comes just like that. When the thought just came to me, I said, oh, I mean... What is this? You know, but it's not even a lingering thought. But you need to see the invisible. Because there's so much deception. People have walked in the church and have come to rub men's thighs in the church. As they are sitting next to them. And then the man came to tell me. And I said, but you two, you kept sitting there. <laughs> what type of foolishness is that? He said, oh, I told her that I would tell Sister Mom. I said, I mean. And even the only reason why he was telling me was because she kept calling him. You know? So he told me that, what is this? You come to church and you sit at the back. I said, do you like sitting at the back too much? Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. We need invisible eyes so that we can overcome deception. If you don't have invisible eyes, you will not see heaven. No. Because everything is so worldly. Everything is so fleshly. Everything seems attainable. It's like all our joys are here. All our rewards are here. All, unless you see the invisible, you will not endure as a Christian. Because wherever you go, there's so much pressure from the world to be like the world. 
And no wonder Christians, even now their marriages are like the world, if not worse. It's as if there's no Holy Ghost, there's no Bible, you just do whatever you do and you give 25 good reasons why. But when you see the invisible, you see the judgment seats, you see heaven, you see a God that you must give account of your life to. You know, you don't just live in the here and now. Why? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. Amen. When Elijah, Elisha, I believe, was with his slave and 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Okay, let's read from verse 14. Because most of you don't know a lot of biblical stories. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite these people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this, is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were coming to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Amen. Amen. Now, remember that the servant had reported what he had seen. He said, I see horses. I see chariots. I see a great host. <laughs> and when the servant rose up in the morning, they had, a host had encompassed the city with horses and chariots. And all over them were enemy territory. And what did Elijah say? He wasn't overwhelmed. When the servant said, what will we do, my master? Look at the horse. We are only two men. Look at the horses. Look at the chariots. Look at an entire army. What did Elisha do? He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Sometimes you go through horrendous attacks. Armies that are greater than you. Situations that seem greater than you. Chariots of fire all round by the mountain. And that's all you can see. It's time to pray. Open my eyes that I may see. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Why did he pray that open his eyes? His eyes were seen. He could see the army. But there's a certain eye that every Christian should have. And that is an insight into the realm of the spirit. Because when you have an insight into the realm of it, it will quell your fears. 
You will not be overcome by certain things and certain attacks and certain things that the enemy brings your way. It's not that you are not being attacked. You are being attacked, but your eyes have been opened. And you have seen that even the mountains, the, things, the armies, the superior armies on your side are greater than these armies that have come in the flesh. When the people were persecuting Jesus, he said that, do you not know that I have power to call on the legions of heaven to come and rescue me? So sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, I say, legions of heaven, I call upon you. Come and fight on my behalf. Because look, even naturally speaking, physically, I'm not strong. And I will not make any bones about it. When I was even in the law faculty, the law books were too heavy for me. So my friends used to have mercy on me and they would carry my books and we are all going to the lecture. Those days were no e-books, nothing. The books are like this. And when I'm holding, they'll say, Adelaide, even the way you are holding, you need help. So they will share, this one would take two. This one, now I walk free in the middle to the faculty. Because physically, even I'm not strong. And so physically, if I'm to see chariots, armies, issues in life, I can't. As soon as I see them, I get tired. You know, visual tiredness. As soon as you see that, you see that this one, I can't. But you have to pray, Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Elijah didn't even tell him, fear not, and all that. He just said, what you are seeing is true. But the real world that controls our world that we are in, you must also have a peep into that world. So open his eyes that he may see. Sometimes you have a marital challenge. You don't have a solution. Your eyes need to be open. So that you will see, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to behave? What enlightenment is God bringing my way? Open my eyes that I may see. Not that you may see to panic. You know, sometimes people go to prophetic meetings. They say they've seen. But the Bible says that prophecy is for exhortation, edification, and comfort. And it's supposed to redeem you. Like when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, it was supposed to deliver him from the seven years of lean cows. And sometimes, oh, there's something in your family. It's not going away. What, and there's no deliverance. That is not God. That cannot be God. Because God reveals so that he can redeem. Amen. Amen. It's not written in the Bible that God reveals to redeem. But the pattern that we see makes us see that God reveals to us so that he can do something about it. Amen. Amen. This invisible eyes can come through visions through dreams, but I'm talking more about an opening into the realm of the spirit. A moving away of the curtain so that you can step out of the flesh into the things of God. Amen. Amen. I was telling the people in the Kodesh, some of us are so carnal. Everything, we, 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 we use carnal methods to solve everything. The Bible says that to be carnally minded is death. When you live only in the canal, it will be death. When you have to take a decision, should the child go to this school or should he go? Should she travel or should not travel? Whatever. Just, you don't know what to do. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may see. This temptation, open my eyes that I may see the way of escape. I can't see. Everything is cloudy. Open my eyes. 
Concerning this beloved, I want to go and take, open my eyes. So that I don't look at the hips, the tips, and the finger, finger, uh, the fingertips and hips. And lips. Lips, tips, and hips. Genesis 21, 19. Again, let's read. 15. And the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were, a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not. For God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew. Amen. Amen. Verse 19, and God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. You need your eyes to be open so that you see God's provision. God's provision is not always your salary. God's provision is not always your job, your work, how it's related. That is not always God's provision. And Hagar was in the desert. She had been driven out by Abraham. I always say that Hagar's story hurts me because she didn't go and say, I'm interested in Abraham. I would really like to sleep with him. It's Sarah who brought that idea. And she brought that idea to use Hagar as a childbearing machine. And after that, to send her away. And then Hagar too, when she became pregnant, she also started to feel light. Because now she had wrapped shoulders with something great. So she also started to have an attitude, you know. I'm this and I'm that and an attitude, you know. <laughs> How do I know that? Because the angel said to her, go back and submit to Sarah, your madam. Go <laughs> and learn it. But when God said to Abraham, send Hagar and Ishmael away, he didn't say, do not provide for her. But Abraham, as some modern men in child maintenance suits, just gave her a bottle of water and a piece of bread knowing very well that it will not last even beyond a week. And when Hagar got to the wilderness, everything is finished. Remember, there's no water in the wilderness. The cruise of water or the bottle of water has also run out. The bread is finished. And she knows that this one, we are going to die. Not because we want to, but because everything has run out and there's nobody in the desert. So she goes to sit across and she leaves the lad and she just lifts up her voice. And she cries. And the child is also crying out of thirst, want, hunger. And an angel comes and says, you know, sometimes I don't know why God asks us what is wrong with us. You know. <laughs> what aileth thee? If you didn't know what ails me, will you not, would you have come? <laughs> but it's God's way of drawing our attention to him. You know, so he says, Hagar, what aileth thee? I mean, she says that I'm finished. I don't know how. And then the Lord opens her eyes. Just where she was crying was a well, but she didn't see it. 
he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Sometimes your eyes are too much on your paycheck, your pay packet. But God helps you in other ways. I often say that sometimes what you would have used money for, God takes care of it so that that money is saved. But he does not, he may not necessarily give you a promotion or a bonus, but you would have saved money in another way. But we don't see God's provision. So even to endure and to see that what our father has said concerning us is true, we need our eyes to be open. Hey, guy, in your distress, you don't see anything. You see only your problem. You are shouting in the wilderness, hey, and, and we can cry, but it doesn't change anything. Crying is just therapeutic. It makes you feel well, but <laughs> it often doesn't really change anything. And I always say that after crying, get up and take a decision. Do you see? Because you people, you cry, and some of you, and no solutions. <laughs> but God just heard her and came and said, you know, there's a well here. And wells don't dry up like water bottles. And wells are not seasonal like water bottles. And a well in a desert is a very special thing. But you are sitting by a well, but you can't see it. So the Lord just opens your eyes so that you can see. Your, your provision is not in that married man. Your provision, you know, a lady, I was talking to a lady and I said, you have to leave these relationships here. She said to me, Mommy, I'm always attracted to married men. Always. And I said, why? She said, my father has never had anything to do with me. Throughout all my growing days now, I've finished my work. And I try to make contact with him. When I call him, he's okay. But when I don't call him, I don't hear from him. So I said, so could it be that you are looking for a father figure? She said, yes, that's all I'm looking for. I'm not even looking for sex. I'm just looking for fatherly love. But the men also, it's like you have to pay in kind. <laughs> and I told her, but that's supposed it's to be expected. It will be like that. She said, and also, they provide for me. Now, if I leave them, what will I do? I said, look. In the first place, as a Christian, in the Christianity of old, you will not even sit before a pastor to talk like this. <laughs> and in the second place, the pastor, I will not even say, oh, you know, mm, you need the things, but no, I have to tell you what. At a point, she told me, you are very hard. I said, when it comes to the Bible, I cannot teach you my mind. I must teach you what God's words because as you are going, they are giving you this, they are giving you that. You're also compromising so many things. And she told me, I'm not interested in the single brothers. When they propose to me, I am not game. I like the fatherly ones. I like the fatherly ones. This is my problem. I even asked her, so if you got married or you had a beloved, what will you do? She said, well, to tell you the truth, you know, she's a young Christian, so she said, to tell you the truth, I think I can handle both. I'll be able to handle both. And I said, sister, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So that is it. You have to suffer to gain something. Christianity is not always you hold on to something, you whatever, you whatever. You have to 
give up something and believe God for his provision. It may not come monthly, annually, but that's why you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Some of you won't buy monthly bread, biannual bread, biennial bread, trimestral bread. He should give you in advance. But many times he'll give you daily. Even when he said take up your cross, he said take up your cross daily. Daily, because if you have to take up your cross for all the years ahead, you will collapse. So even the carrying of the cross is daily. You take whatever cross there is and you go on. The next day there may be another cross. Then you take it and you follow on. So we need our eyes to be open. That's why some of us, one foot is here and one foot is here. Because we can't see spiritually. We can't see. So you say, oh, this boy, I can't leave him. But if they open your eyes, you will see how foolish you are. Amen. And you will say, ah, Jesus Christ and this boy. You know, some people ask me, oh, the question and answer time, how come you always know what to say and all that? It's by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, number one. And number two, human problems are the same. The same. So sometimes I even tell the people, this chair that you are sitting in, I've heard the same story every year. Our love was made in heaven. I can't leave him. I said, your love was made in heaven. It's to be lived on earth here. And because it's to be lived on earth, you will have a lot of issues. But you must see the invisible. You must see the invisible. Instead of your emotions. Oh, how I feel. Oh, how I want. Oh, how I desire. Oh, but when you see the invisible, you will see El Shaddai. The all-sufficient God. You will see the God who is more than enough. Amen. Amen. And you will trust him day by day. You don't know how. You don't know when. But he will do it again. That's God. The Bible says God opened the eyes of Hagar. And she saw. When she saw, she said, what? Has there been a well all here? All, I'm sitting by a well all this time and I never saw it. How I've wasted my time with tears. How I've wasted my time with crying. Not knowing there was a well. Some of you, you are dwelling on the empty water bottle. When there's a well, that God must open your eyes to see. The cruise is empty. Your bread has run dry. And instead of seeing the well, your tears have so clouded your eyes. Hello, my lovely sister-in-law. That you cannot see God's provision. He opened his eye, her eyes. And she saw the well. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. I don't think that if Bishop had not seen the invisible, we'll be here today. The invisible, not as in even what God would do, but as in seeing God. Seeing God makes you keep on. Seeing God makes you not grow weary. Seeing God helps you to sometimes be a loner. You know, in my house, I was the first born-again Christian of all my siblings. And it was not easy because I'm the youngest girl. You know, so they will call me. Uh-huh. So, Krefe people, so what do you do? <laughs> so what? And even when I got a beloved, my brothers used to tell me that there's no point in the relationship. Because when the boy comes, you don't do anything. Pastor Jude used to tell me that. <laughs> the relationship, you know, they hear, is not necessary. Because there's nothing in it. 
Amen. Amen. Because they don't see what you see. They don't know the Jesus you know. And they don't see what you see. So they felt that, ah, is she not bored? Is she happy? She said her beloved has come to visit her. They don't go to the bedroom. They, don't, they even asked me. So, you know the case? I said, no. Hey. Then what's the point of this relationship? <laughs> this relationship, where is it going? Even my big sister used to ask me. So, and sometimes, you know, when my husband would come to the city where we were, my big sister would host him. So in the evening, when I say, oh, I'm going, my big sister would say, ah, you are just going? You won't spend the night here tonight? I said, no, I'm going. Is that how you people do your cliche things? <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. So that's why you are going away. You wonder, am I normal? Are virgins normal in this day and age? But when you see the invisible, it will keep you going. And the difference between you and them is that they are not seeing anything invisible. Everything they see is related to this earth. But later, God will open their eyes and you would have been a fool to have given up your faith. Look at them today. They are prophets, pastors. And then you, out of pressure then, would have said, oh no, it's not. But to survive in a world where it's not popular to be a Christian, you have to see them invisible. Otherwise, you just cannot survive. Amen. Amen. To be the bishop's wife, I have to see the invisible. I have to see the souls that will be one. Do you understand? How does it feel when your husband has gone to Nigeria? Armed robbers have attacked him. He has sent you a message. We've been besieged by armed robbers. And then a few seconds after, the policeman has been shot. We are in shock. And then after that, dead silence. You go through all, all that you are going through and you are going to preach about, be still and know that I am God. Anything that you have to do, you either walk the walk or God will put you to the test after you have preached it. Always. You walk it. So as you are going to say, be still and know that you are God, I'm God. You have received this news. And in your preaching, you have to be still. It wasn't easy. So as the Atlanta daughter you can make, it was not easy. As I mounted the stage and I said, oh, let's sing. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Before I mounted the stage, I've gone to make calls to national security, everybody I know. But I have to walk the walk that. Be still and know that I'm God. And it's after the preaching that I now hear from them that suddenly the people just stopped shooting and left. Because when I got into the service, I said, we have to intercede for our leaders. At the same time, I don't have to let the church panic. So I said, we have to intercede for our leaders, for a covering, for this, for that. And then we prayed. After we have prayed, you have not seen what has happened. You are not hearing from them. You have not heard any report. You have to see the invisible hand of God. The invisible hand of God. You have to see it. Otherwise, you will not survive. And then after that, the same person comes to say, oh, God has called me to a crusade in Nigeria. I'm going to Okere, I'm going to Ofa, and I'm going here. And the way we watch the DVDs, people say, oh, powerful. But for the wife, it's powerful, but there's another power. Amen. Amen. And if you're going to think about, oh, God, what happened in Lagos? Is it going to happen again in Okere? Are they going to be okay? You're going to take all this to think about. Hey. 
you have to see the invisible hand of God. You have to see the souls that will be won. The kingdom of heaven that will be populated. Hell that will be depopulated. You have to see invisible things. In order to even be a good support to your husband, you need an invisible eye. Because it's not easy. Amen. I just, I always say, it's the grace of God. Because I just say, God, it's in your hands. I know that you take care of them. You bring them. And one of the crusades, the driver was shot. He ran into the forest. The bus was attacked, which you don't see all on DVDs. <laughs> he limped through the woods because of the shot. He ran out of the bus and then limped through the woods. One of the crusades, when they were having the pastor's meeting, just nearby was a bank. It had been robbed and all, and then they were brought a message that they have to be very careful, security-wise and everything. I go to think about all this. You have to see his invisible hand of protection. His invisible hand of preservation. His invisible hand of divine protection. Otherwise, you will worry unduly. The provision of God. If you see the angels of the Lord encamp round about us and deliver us. Angels are not redundant. They have not been uh, laid off. There are no cuts. Amen. Amen. There's no hung parliament doing cuts everywhere. No. They are on duty day and night. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. But you need to see an invisible hand. Because if you don't see by an invisible hand, you will see a lot of negative things. You are praying about this, it's getting worse. You are praying about this, it doesn't seem to be improving. But many times, before something gets better, it gets worse. Amen. Amen. Like the children of Israel, when God sent Moses to deliver them, their burdens were rather multiplied. Pharaoh said, you are idle, that's why you are saying. So now no more straw, no more provender, go and provide for yourself. So the people say, is it good that a deliverer came? Or, I mean, we don't see. He endured. As seeing him who is invisible. Amen. Amen. Now I just want us to pray that we continue tomorrow morning. But before we do that, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul was praying for the people of Ephesus, and he says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know, one, what is the hope of his calling? What hope does God have in calling you? What does he hope to achieve? Number two, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Like, what type of riches and glory have you inherited as a saint? You need your eyes to be open to see, otherwise you won't see it. And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? If our eyes of understanding are not open, we don't know the greatness of his power towards us. So you, that's why you even walk the way you walk. That's why you cry over the things you cry about. That's why you worry about, because you don't know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. If you knew the potency of his power, you would change. The riches of his inheritance of the saints in light. You will change that. Wow. All these things belong to me in Christ. I never knew the eye of your understanding being opened. The hope of his calling. When you know that there's a certain call 
There's a certain destiny. There's a certain purpose on your life. You won't live anyhow. Because you will see with your eye the hope of his calling. I just want us to stand to our feet and pray Ephesians 1.18 into our lives. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Oh, I want to see you. Mm, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Oh, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will God not give to us the Holy Spirit when we ask him for it? Ask him to open your eyes. Elisha prayed that prayer and the Bible says that he's a man of like passions, like frailties, like weaknesses, but God heard his prayer. It's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that fails much. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Just be yourself in his presence. I want to see you. Open my eyes. Open my eyes above every worldliness. Above every carnality. Above every fleshly dominated life. Oh, help me to see that which is invisible, Lord. Open the eyes of my understanding, Jesus. I want to see you. The Bible says, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Oh, we want to see you in every season of our lives, in every turn of our lives, in every situation of our lives. We want to see you. Open our eyes that we may see. Open our eyes that we may see that which is invisible. Open our eyes that we may see that we do not normally see. We want to see you in our everyday lives, in our decisions, in our heartaches. When we come to the end of ourselves, we want to see you in our walk with you. We want to see you. We want to see heaven. We want to see eternity. We want to see the throne. We went 
to see the legions of heaven. We want to see the armies that are on our side. We want to see you, Lord. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to, we want see, to see you. you oh, lift up your hands. Shining in the light of your glory. Oh, yes, Jesus. Open our eyes that we may see. Oh, yes, Lord. Even the healing that we need. That we may see the way of escape in every temptation. The way of escape. The way of escape. Open our eyes that we may see. Provision, your leading, your purpose, oh God, open our eyes. Open the eyes. Oh yes, we want to see you. We want to see you. So that we may endure. So that we may endure. I see in you who is invisible. Jesus. of our understanding open the eyes of our understanding to see the hope of your calling on our lives open the eye of our understanding to see our inheritance the glorious inheritance of the saints in light for we have walked as destitute children we have walked as poverty stricken children in spirit in soul and in body but Lord, you gave your son to us and you freely give us all things. But we don't see. Open our eyes that we may see. And open our eyes that we may see the power that works on our behalf. The power that is available to children of God. The power in the name of Jesus. The power in the blood. The power in your word. The power in your faithfulness. Open our eyes that we may see. May we not walk as men of this world, but may we endure as seeing you who is invisible. Thank you for anointing our eyes with thyself so that we may see in the way we ought to see. Thank you for a new beginning of visibility into the things of God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah.
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.